The presenter of farming today put it to me that uh, looking after the environment, trying to create a greener and more prosperous land, meant that it would be an end to cheap food. And that uh, what people wanted was cheap and affordable food in the supermarkets. And that was what was being delivered by uh, the common agricultural policy. The implication was that any move away from the sorts of uh, subsidies in the common agricultural policy, and in particular, the two billion of the three billion paid to farmers, uh, largely on the basis of them simply owning the land, would be really bad news for the broader public. This seemed to me to reflect a uh, almost kind of knee-jerk reaction that comes from uh, particular vested interests and is based on an extraordinary fallacy. I mean, the, the basic feature of the common agricultural policy is it's in its original design. Its purpose was as protectionism. It created external tariffs to the EU to protect farmers inside the EU and uh, they could therefore uh, avoid cheap imports from overseas and instead focus on uh, the broader digging for victory, self-sufficiency and higher food production from uh, home sources. So if you really wanted cheap food uh, and if you really followed the line that the presenter took, then the obvious thing to do is, after Brexit, abolish all agricultural tariffs. And the result would be a lot cheaper food. Almost everything uh, that's produced by British farming is, uh, faces uh, cheaper and more cost-competitive imports from abroad. You could see that from the US and all the fears about chlorinated chicken and so on and so forth. But uh, across the board, uh, there definitely would be cheaper food if we abolished all the tariffs uh, in a post-CAP, post-Brexit world. But this would be decimating for British farmers. And uh, I would have thought that the vested interests of the farming or, uh, and the main farming organisations should uh, want to resist the cheap food argument as hard as possible. And it's not just that we would lose uh, vast swathes of British farming uh, to cheap imports if we went down the cheap food route. But of course, our higher welfare standards uh, would be seriously undermined. We have no control over the welfare of animals produced uh, abroad. Um, and uh, we have no control over the use of chemicals and additives and so on, which we might here find uh, worrying for public health. So actually what we do want is tariffs, and we want tariffs which protect our higher standards and maintain our farming sector here domestically. And we, the consumers, will go on paying higher prices for our food. We won't have cheap food, we don't have cheap food, and that is uh, a, a, a amount of money paid by us in our food bills and through our taxes, through subsidies, which uh, a lot of people think is a price worth paying to have an agricultural sector uh, and have an agricultural sector that has some prospect 
of surviving and indeed prospering. So cheap food isn't what the CAP brings and cheap food is not what we want here in Britain and uh, it's all about tariffs. We'd want to, at the border, uh, measures taken to impose the welfare standards we might want and the chemical and other standards uh, as a border adjustment as well. But um, it's not just that the cheap food argument is uh, bogus uh, and uh, deludes us into thinking um, that um, somehow we're about to get some terrible shock if we look after the environment. The way that the, the agricultural subsidies have worked in Britain and the incentive structure that's gone with it have produced other higher costs which we could reduce substantially and some of those costs we could avoid with a better uh, agricultural policy post-CAP. And, and to, 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 to think through why this is the case and why we probably pay more than we have to for our food, even though we don't want and can't have cheap food, you need to take into account the indirect effects of farming and particularly the subsidy regime. So of the three billion that you pay to uh, subsidies for farmers, about two billion goes in financing uh, the ownership of land. Now, what that does is it gives people a revenue for owning land. And 101 Economics tells you that people will increase the amount of money they're prepared to pay per acre uh, to capitalise that subsidy going forward. So the result is that land prices are very high in the UK and in Britain, and indeed much higher than could be reasonably justified by the economic returns for what happens on the land. Now, you might think, well, you know, what's it got to do with me if farmland is expensive? Well, the answer is everything, because it makes it very hard for new people, young farmers and so on, to come into the business with new ideas and new technologies and new abilities to produce better outputs. And you can see this. Uh, farmers are trapped in the frame that's been uh, provided for them. The average farmer is about 60. Young farmers find it impossible to come in. This barrier produces uh, the requirement to keep up the returns to try and satisfy this much higher cost of land. And then there's the pollution that comes from farming because we don't make polluters pay. And in some cases, these are indeed farmers. So you pay in your water bill much more than you need to because the water company has to clean up the pollutants that come off the land and those have costs and those costs go through to bills and you pay it when that water bill comes through your door. It could be done better. Some water companies are already paying farmers not to pollute in order to reduce the need for capital costs. And then there's the longer term and more insidious effect of the way uh, the subsidy regime works, which increases the costs of agriculture in this country. If you look at farming productivity, it really isn't very impressive at all. The corollary of the average farmer being 60 and the way in which land ownership is to an extent fossilised by those much higher prices 
is that innovation has been pretty slow. Uh, and indeed, uh, whilst there has been, as the Secretary of State has, has referred to it, a kind of fourth industrial revolution going on agriculture with digitalization, uh, robotics, AI, and all those new technologies, it hasn't shown through into the performance of farms um, on the land. And that, of course, is something we'll pay for dearly. We can't in this country compete uh, on purely a cheap cost, cheap food basis against the huge grain growing areas of Ukraine, the United States, of the beef raising uh, lands of Argentina. You know, if you look around the world, there are much better areas to produce bulk cheap food than here in the UK. So what we have to do is make the most of what we've got. And we've got a lot. We do have a skills base. We have a great agricultural science. We have uh, a wonderfully diverse landscape. And within that landscape, we can produce better, higher quality, higher value products. And with that, focus on premium markets, which um, uh, are there to attract. And those premium are not just about you know, nice middle class people going into nice middle class supermarkets who have the ability to pay. They're also about making sure that we meet those higher welfare standards, those higher environmental standards in the lowest cost way we can. And that is what, in a large measure, the 25-year environment plan is about. And that's what, in my book, Green and uh, Pleasant Land, I spend a lot of time uh, discussing the various steps necessary to get there. So if we're to put farming on a proper basis, let's hear a lot less of just fallacious arguments that somehow the existing regime produces cheap food. It doesn't. And let's get on with uh, thinking about how to use the subsidies, so maintain the income to farmers in general, in a way that produces better outcomes, not just for the environment, but also for the farmers themselves, and crucially, for you and me as consumers. We want high quality food. We want it produced as cost effectively as possible. But let's hear no more of this claptrap about the idea that the CAP has produced cheap food. It's nonsense. It's a smokescreen. And it really doesn't help the argument going forward.